leader who never needs a succession plan enables us to be strong and courageous as we face the future. This morning, our text is Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 15 and verse 23 as we continue our series in the book of Deuteronomy. Before we read God's word this morning, let us turn to him in prayer. God, our Father, we thank you that you are the leader behind every leader, that you are the leader who never needs a successor, that you are constant, you are the ultimate leader, and you are the one in whom we trust as we, your people, look to the future. And so we ask for your blessing today as we turn to this portion of Scripture in Deuteronomy 31, dealing with leadership succession, and that you might encourage us with your word and apply it to us here at Covenant even today. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now God's word for God's people. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 15 and verse 23. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dis dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to your fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting, that I may commission him. 
And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. Verse 23. And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for ye shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. The word of the Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. It is perfect, reviving the soul. And we trust God the Holy Spirit to so work in our hearts that this powerful word would revive our souls today. Succession planning is described by one source as a process identifying and developing new leaders who will replace the old leaders when they leave, retire, or die. Organizations from corporations to churches have to face the realities of a leadership transition. An old leader retiring, a new generation of leadership taking over. All leaders have a shelf life, and every leader will be succeeded by another. And we are facing this very reality in the Presbyterian Church in America, our denomination, as well as here at Covenant. Covenant Seminary is searching for a new seminary president as Mark Dalby will be retiring next year. Brian Chappell will be the new stated clerk of our General Assembly as Roy Taylor is in the process of retiring. Gary Campbell, who has served with our Retirements and Benefits Agency, has retired, and Ed Cunningham is now the new president of RBI. As the older generation of leadership here at Covenant is aging, we are rather gray on the session. A new generation of leadership is and will be raised up to replace the old guard, and to lead covenant into the future, to the next stage of all that God has for this particular church. So over the next seven or so years, I do not know God's timing, but over the next seven or so years, likely my role here will necessarily change as the next generation senior pastor will need to replace me and take over lead this church into the next phase of ministry. But here's the good news that Moses has for us in chapter 31. Leadership transition can be a very fearful reality. and We see fear as a very likely temptation, even in the words of Moses that we've already read. But leadership transition should not be fearful for God's people because of the strength and courage that the true leader, the leader behind the leader, the leader that has no succession plan, affords his church. And that is what we will talk about today, the realities of leadership succession, but the true and ultimate leader being with us encouraging us, giving us strength and courage to face the future. Moses was a great leader, 
And our text today gives us two ways that he was a great leader. He gave two charges, but he also provided a legacy for God's people. First, Moses encouraged the next generation, and he also encouraged Joshua with a charge to be strong and courageous in light of this leadership transition that was taking place in Israel. Moses was a great leader. He was born in Egypt as a slave, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and was raised in privilege, had to flee Egypt. And then God called Moses back to Egypt to lead Israel, to lead God's people out of bondage. And Moses stood toe-to-toe, face-to-face with the most powerful force in the world, Pharaoh. And God worked mightily. He led the people to the Red Sea and there faced a crisis as Pharaoh's army was bearing down on the company of Israelites. And they were grumbling against Moses and against God. And Moses uttered these words, The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Exodus chapter 14. God instructed Moses to raise a staff. Moses raised the staff. As you know the story very well, the waters parted, and the company of Israel passed from a dry seabed to the other side. Likewise, Moses obeyed God, and after Israel was safe on the other side, He raised his hands over the waters as Pharaoh's army was coming down into that dry seabed and the waters came in on them, drowned Pharaoh's army. Moses from there led the people to the foot of Mount Sinai. He went up as their mediator to the mountain to receive the law. After a year, Moses led the nation of Israel to the southern border of the promised land. And there the people rebelled after sending in spies. The majority returned saying, we can't possibly go in and take this land. The people are too great. Of course, there was Joshua and Caleb who said, no, obey the Lord. Let us go in. Let us take the land. But the people disobeyed God. And Moses led them for 40 years in the wilderness that that old guard, that older generation might completely die out except for himself Joshua and Caleb he led the new generation to Moab to the east side of the Jordan River poised to go in and possess the land and now in Moab Moses' final chapter in his leadership story is quickly coming to a close the natural progression of every leader is to be succeeded by someone else. And we see this as the case for the great leader, Moses. Verse 2, Moses addressed the entire nation. And he gives two reasons why his tenure as leader of Israel is quickly coming to an end. And the first is physical and very obvious. Moses was 120 years old. He said, I am no longer able to get out and come in. Those who lead long enough will come to to the place 
of lacking physical and mental ability to lead. But the second greater reason for Moses' tenure as leader of Israel coming to an end was God's discipline. In verse 2, the Lord has said to me, Moses, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord's exclusion of Moses to go over and actually enter the promised land was due to Moses' sin earlier. His sin regarding the rock and water. The first instance of a rock and water is found in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 6. There, the people grumbled, we don't have water. God said, okay, I'll give them water. Moses, you go and take your staff and you strike the rock twice. Or you strike the rock and water will come forth. Moses complied, water came forth. Then in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 8, the second instance of a rock and water where the people grumbled, we have no water. And God commanded Moses to speak, to call water from the rock. But instead, Moses disobeyed God and he struck the rock twice. Numbers chapter 20 verse 12, because you did not believe in me, said the Lord to Moses, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring the assembly into the land that I have given them. Very, very hard discipline for Moses. We also see God's graciousness toward Moses. In chapter 1, verse 37 of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, verse 27, chapter 4, verses 21 through 22 as well, as at the end of chapter 32, we learned that God was going to allow Moses to look over and see the promised land from Mount Pisgah before he died. God's grace. As Moses' tenure as Israel's leader was soon to end, he gave two charges to the people that he had led so faithfully over these many years. First, he charged the people, verse 6, be strong and courageous. A change in leadership is a fearful time for people, and especially at such a critical time in Israel's history as they were about to cross the Jordan River and possess the promised land. And now, leadership succession. I'm sure the memory of what happened in Numbers chapter 13 when the spies came back with the bad report, the people are too great, was fresh on this new generation's minds. They had much for which or over which to fear. The new generation needed both strength and courage to go in and take the land even under new leadership. They need to strengthen courage not to repeat the sin of their forefathers by disobeying God. Moses charged the people be strong and courageous, but he also charged his successor, Joshua, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, verse 7. Moses had already identified Joshua as his successor. We see this in chapter 1, verse 38 of Deuteronomy. 
And also in verse 3 that we read earlier, where Moses said, Joshua will go over at your head. Now Moses encouraged Joshua, charged him to lead with strength and courage. Not only would Joshua face the obvious challenge of having to lead Israel's army into battle to defeat the Canaanites, but time and time again, Joshua would have to battle the sin and rebellion of God's people. I'm sure Joshua probably thought at this point, what have I gotten myself into? There are battles from without and battles from within. I am sure Joshua was tempted to fear. He needed an ample dose of strength and courage as the mantle of leadership passed from Moses to him. So Moses charged the people and Joshua to be strong and courageous. Moses was concerned for the people and for his successor. His focus was not on himself. He was humble and submissive to God's will. He was focused on the people's well-being, Joshua's well-being. He was focused on the goal, go in and take the land. I think these are examples of Moses' leadership. He was indeed a great leader. He encouraged and exhorted his successor and the people to succeed to go forth in courage and in strength. But a second aspect of Moses' leadership is that he left the legacy of God's word, the law, with the people. Look at verses 9 through 13. Moses delivered the law orally. That's what we've been studying through Deuteronomy. Chapters 1 through 30 is the oral preaching of the law by Moses to the new generation. And here in chapter 31, we find that Moses actually wrote down his words, the law, and he presents the written law to the priest, and he charges the priest, every seven years, read the law to the people assembled. Read it aloud. Now, every seven years was the year of release or the sabbatical year when all debts of Israelites were to be canceled. And then the Feast of Booths was that annual feast that was in the fall and that, that was focused on the harvest. Israelite males were required to make a pilgrimage to that place that God would choose, we know that to be Jerusalem, every year to observe the Feast of Booths. But on the seventh year, the year of release, the sabbatical year, not only were the males, but the women and the children, all of Israel was to come to Jerusalem at this particular time. And part of that great celebration was for the priests with the assembled community of Israel as they read the law publicly and verbally to the people. Men and women and children and the purpose is given in verse 12 
that they might learn to fear the Lord and be careful to do all the words of this law. In particular, that the children, verse 13, who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. This was to be one of the ways that God's people were taught the law. Every seven years, the law being read aloud to the entire assembly of Israel. But it was not the only way. I would like to take us back to another section of Deuteronomy that we've already studied. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is part of the law that Moses wrote down and was to be read, but the law that Moses wrote down here in chapter 6 teaches the Israelites that the commandments of the Lord, the law of the Lord, is to be declared as a regular daily part of life. Parents were to teach them, that is their children, diligently the things of God. On this day that we honor motherhood, we recognize the blessing of godly mothers who give themselves to the teaching of God's word to their children, that their children might learn to fear God, that their children might have a heart for God. God is in the business of changing the heart. Mothers can't do that. But God sovereignly uses the means of mothers and fathers and the means of regular instruction in the Word of God to work in the lives of children. One of Moses' legacies as a leader is the written law in Deuteronomy. And we would also expand that to say the other four books of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy making the first five books. And today, we are benefiting from God's work through Moses in this legacy of his word being written down, the inspired word of God through Moses. And godly mothers in our day are leaving a legacy of teaching God's word to their children that they may have a heart for God. Moses was a great leader. He encouraged the people and Joshua to be strong and courageous as they entered the next phase of Israel's history. And secondly, he left a legacy of the law, the written law that we are benefiting from even today. 
The lesson of the old guard leadership here at Covenant is similar. We need to not fear being replaced. And we need to encourage the congregation and the next generation of leaders here at Covenant not to fear, but rather to be strong and courageous. And with regards to the second aspect of Moses' leadership, our, den our denomination came about largely because of our stance on the authority of God's Word, our commitment to God's Word being the authority for all of life. It was a watershed issue that resulted in our denomination coming about and I believe it will be the watershed issue for our denomination continuing to be faithful as part of the church of Jesus Christ. And as a leadership, both old guard and new guard, by God's grace, may we leave a legacy of a commitment to the authority of God's word. Moses was a great leader. But like all leaders... Moses was replaced. And he was replaced by Joshua, who will become a great leader. Moses had already told the people in verse 3, Joshua will go over at your head. And in verses 15 or 14 and 15, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, Moses, your death is imminent. And because of that, you and Joshua. Come to the tent of meetings. I will commission Joshua as the new leader of Israel. And verse 23 is the Lord's words of commission to Joshua. And those words are similar to how Moses charged the people in Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. For ye shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. And this charge that God gave in Deuteronomy 31 is also repeated in Joshua chapter 1 and verses 5, 6, 7, and 9, where God repeats, Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not fear as you take the mantle of leadership, cross the Jordan, and possess the land. And as we'll look at next week, as we'll look again at chapter 31, but take a little bit different angle where the Lord speaks of Israel's defection from the covenant and the Lord charges Moses to write a song and that song along with the law of Deuteronomy that has already been deposited with the priest will serve as witnesses against Israel and the point that I want to make is that probably the greatest challenge for Joshua's leadership will not be the Canaanites but will be the sin of God's people, sin in the camp, that he will have to combat over and over again. But as we turn to the book of Joshua, we see Joshua powerfully, courageously, and faithfully leading God's people, dealing with the battle from without, dealing with the battle from within. And like Moses, Joshua will need to be replaced as well, in Joshua 24, 
It records the last chapters of Joshua's story regarding his leadership. And there Joshua encourages the people, the nation, to choose to serve the Lord. It also speaks of Joshua's words being written down in the law, chapter 24, verse 26. And then Joshua dies at 110 years old. And from Joshua, a series of leaders will take the helm. Many, if not most, of the leaders of Israel, especially during the divided monarchy, were evil leaders. But certainly the leadership of Israel culminates in King David, the paradigm of earthly kings. But even David was not the greatest leader. There was one greater. Moses, Joshua, David, all human leaders, including me, will die, leave, or become too old to leave. And a new generation of leadership will be raised up to take the church into the next phase of God's plan. Leaders and organizations need succession plans. But there is one leader, however, that has no succession plan, that needs no succession plan. He is the constant. He is the ultimate. He is the leader behind Moses, the leader behind Joshua. He's the leader behind the ruling elder shared covenant and the leader behind me. The ultimate leader is the reason that leaders like me, leaders like our elders, our deacons, leaders like Joshua and Moses might have strength and courage to lead God's people. The greater leader is the Lord. In verses 3 through 6, Moses charged the people to be strong and courageous. How was he able to do that? He gives the reason. Because the Lord will be with them. The Lord would go before the people and destroy those nations like Saon and Og. And will give the land as well as the victory over those Canaanites to Israel that they might possess the land and dispossess the Canaanites. And in verse 6, the one who goes before them and wins the battles is the one who is with them every step of the way. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread. Verse 6, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The Lord's presence is the source of strength and courage. And this means God's people do not need to fear as they go forward to accomplish what the Lord has set before them and as they go through a leadership succession. Similarly, Moses, Moses is charged to Joshua, verses 7 through 8. Joshua is to be strong and courageous as he leads the people, as he is at the head of of the column of people going across the river into the promised land because the Lord will go before him. The Lord will be present with him. The Lord has promised never to leave him nor forsake him. 
Joshua, as a leader, had much over which to be dismayed and to fear. The people were turned from God. God told, tells of their defection in chapter 31. And of course, the Canaanites were a worthy adversary. But the Lord's presence meant Joshua had no reason to fear or be dismayed. God would go before him. God would be with him. God would fight the battle and give the victory to Joshua. When God commissioned Joshua in verse 23, be strong and courageous, the key to this commission, in my judgment, is the last phrase. God said, I will be with you. What a encouragement that is for people and leader alike. I find it interesting that the people who are led and the leader who leads them really need the same thing. They need strength and courage. And the only place that strength and courage is from the Lord, the leader behind the leader, who is always with his people, always going before them, always fighting the battle for them. I will be with you, says the Lord. As a people or as a leader, a transition of leadership can be a very fearful time. We may be dismayed as we think about what God is calling our church to do in the future and then couple that with a whole new leadership coming on board. When God calls us to a task, what he's saying here in these words from Moses is that we are to be strong and courageous because he will never leave us. We're not to rest in our self-confidence. We're not to be dependent on our ability. We're not to put the pastor, the elder, or some other leader on a pedestal thinking they're going to solve all of our problems. We need to respect the leadership that God places over us, yes, but the ultimate leader is the Lord. The leader needs the leadership of the Lord as much as the people need the leadership of the Lord. Turn to him in faith, who is the leader behind the leader, fueling both leader and people with strength and courage by his enduring presence. I learned an important lesson about leadership in a job interview, not my job interview, but I was serving on a presbytery committee as we were interviewing a candidate to take over a, a RUF ministry in one of our denominations' largest RUFs. The RUF minister that had been serving there for many years was taking another position within RUF, so was stepping down from campus ministry and into more of a coordinator position. And so our committee was charged to interview this new candidate. I'll never forget this. We were conducting the interview and the outgoing RUF minister was in the meeting as well. And so we were asking the candidate all sorts of questions, questions you would expect in a job interview. And one of the committee members asked the, the candidate this question, you are replacing a very popular, successful, beloved campus minister. 
How will you handle following him? So the candidate paused, and he thought, and this is what he said. In about two or three years, no one will even know his name. And we all just laughed, and the face of the outgoing RUF minister was pretty perplexed because all of a sudden he realized the truth in that statement. Leaders serve by God's grace. They succeed. Uh, they are beloved, but they leave. They die. They retire. And someone else comes to take their place. Now, on a college campus, every year the student body changes. Every four years it changes completely. And so, yeah, it would make sense. And in a couple of years, no one will know his name. But I think it's a principle that is a general principle about leadership succession. That leaders lead. And when they leave, they may be beloved and they may be remembered. But the church or the organization keeps moving on. And that leader will be a distant memory after a time. And I don't say that as, as a bad thing. It's just simply the natural progression of leadership, how God works to raise up leaders and to use them as his instruments and then according to his timing to replace them and to move his people on to the next phase of ministry. But there is one exception. To this principle. The leader behind the leader, the great leader, the greatest leader, never needs a succession plan. He will never be replaced. He is the Lord Himself. Josh read in Matthew 28 20 some of the last words that the greatest leader the constant, the ultimate, the leader who needs no succession plan, Jesus, spoke to his church. And the very last section of verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what Jesus wanted to leave with his followers. No need to fear. No need to be dismayed. Be strong. Be courageous. I am with you. As a church, leadership succession is inevitable. I do not know God's timetable. But I know that God is and will raise up a new generation of leaders here at Covenant. For the new leader and the old guard as well as the congregation, we have nothing to fear about leadership succession. The Lord will be with us. He will give us strength and courage. And by his grace, he will lead us into the next phase 
of ministry here at Covenant, even under new leadership. And the lesson of this is to trust the true leader that has no need of a succession plan and who enables his people to not fear but be strong and courageous. Trust him as we experience him raising up a new generation of leadership to lead covenant into the next phase of ministry. That's the lesson that we learn here in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you that when all the world seems to be a very scary place, we even think of this current pandemic and the fear that has been generated in our hearts as we and so many churches and even our denomination as a whole is in the process of seeing you raise up a new generation of leaders really across the board. Father, I pray that, that you might work in us, that we would not fear but trust you. That like Moses, the old guard would seek to encourage and to be humble and to seek your goal and your plan being fulfilled. And Father, that you might raise up a new generation of leaders here at Covenant, around our denomination, and your church universal, even thinking of a new generation of missionaries to, to be your hands and feet to further your kingdom here on earth. Father, it's exciting to think about what you have done in the past and what you are doing now and what you will do in the future. And help us to see the lesson that Moses was seeking to teach Joshua and the, and the assembly of Israel. Trust in the Lord, for he is with you always. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.